Open to Isaiah, the 59th chapter. We're going to read a couple things there, and then we're going to end with the New Testament. Last week, Isaiah, I'll get there in my Bible, so I'm there. Isaiah 59. And um, uh, last week, we taught on uh, what a Christ-like life looks like. How many want to be, how, wanna, how, want, how many want to be Christ-like in your life? Raise your hand if it's a struggle to be Christ-like in your life. Thank you. I'm the same way. It isn't easy. Why? Because you have an adversary. Not only do you have an adversary, you just have a, an Adamic nature that has a fit to do anything that is right in the eyes of God. And so you have these turmoils in your life, but we, we can attain to that through the Word of God and yielding to the Spirit of God, a Christ-like life. Amen. And uh, then I ended, I ended the message with... Um, what Jesus asked his followers in Luke 6, 19. We're going to tie this all together. Jesus said, can the blind lead the blind? That's what he asked. Can a spiritually blind man point a spiritually blind man in the right direction? And the answer is no. They're both blind. And we're talking about spiritual blindness. We're talking about, um, uh, we're talking about seeing life through the lens of God's word. If we can connect with that, praise God, then that Christ-like life will begin to come out of our lives. Amen? Isaiah's, in Isaiah's days, he used this same vernacular to describe the spiritual condition of Israel and how that through their pride and rebellion, they became spiritually blind to the will of God, which left them without God's presence, his protection, and his provision. They lived miserable lives when they rebelled against God, and so do we. I said, and so do we. Our lives in the process of time can become very miserable when we rebel against his will. Now, here in Isaiah 59, we're just going to read a few verses because I got quite a few things to cover and I want to get through it tonight. Verse 1. Now, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But Israel, your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Well, that's tough. That's tough, man, when, when, when God's not listening to you. And he goes on and, uh, oh, my goodness. Verse 3, your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue hath muttered perverseness. Verse 7, um, their feet run to evil, they make haste to shed innocent blood, their thoughts, and the, uh, uh, their thoughts, there it is, are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their path. That was never the will of God for them. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings, they have made their, they have made they have, they have, they have made crooked paths, uh, them crooked paths whatsoever uh, goeth therein shall not know peace. Therefore the judgment, therefore is judgment far from us. Neither doth justice overtake us. We wait for light, but we, we wait for light, but behold obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like blind, the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in, as in the night, and we are, we are in desolate places as dead men. I'll stop there. Isn't that, is that a, I mean, the atmosphere is absolutely hopeless, and all because they wouldn't listen to God. That's, you know. You got to remember, in the Old Testament, the devil was rarely mentioned. Rarely mentioned. 
So it was their choices that created this atmosphere in their lives. Then verse 12 says, For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we, we know them. So, I mean, things spiritually were really horrific in, in this season of Israel's life, okay? And, uh, and, and when I read this, I, I wrote this down. This, this perfectly describes life when we exalt our will above God's will. We'll, we'll explain more about that as we go on. For Israel, they were called to be a reflection of God's presence to the heathen nations around them. That's why God chose them. He chose them not because they were a large nation, but because he set his love upon them. Uh, but instead of being a reflection of God's presence, they had become like every other nation around them. Do you remember that back in 19? You guys think about this now. 1971, I got gloriously saved. Gloriously saved. I knew God had touched my life. But guess what? I continued to, to smoke weed because I thought if I could just be around my friends, get stoned to them, I could be a light to them. And, of course, that wasn't working at all. And, of course, I was spiritually a spiritual babe in regards to the will of God. I didn't understand the Bible at all. And so one day I'm driving down the road in my 68 Camaro. And, uh, and uh, as I was driving on the road, I was calling out to God with, uh, with a broken heart. I said, God, how come my friends won't listen to me how come they won't listen to me when i share with them about jesus and immediately it was the first time i heard god audibly speak to me in as loud as i'm talking to you but was inside he says because you're just like them so god didn't want israel to be just like the other nations he wanted them to be a holy nation a glorious nation a nation of righteousness peace and joy amen a nation where they walked in God's favor a nation a, a nation that walked in victory how many want that in your life amen we all do we all want that so spiritual blindness plagued the church in the wilderness and the lord jesus himself knew that it would be a problem also in the new testament church or the believer okay so spiritual blindness, the definition is the inability to see or perceive life through the spiritual lens of God's word. The inability to see. So though you're saved, you don't have the perception necessary to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. Okay, you don't have the, you're not seeing the things that, that you need to see with your spiritual eyes. So question, how can we be walking in spiritual clarity at one moment in our lives but over time end up spiritually blind, or at least for a season. We don't want to go through those seasons. We want to avoid them if all possible. So in Luke 6, Jesus tells us how this process takes place. It happens over time. Listen, this is in Luke 6. We talked about this. It happens over time when we refuse to address the logs in our own eyes. The logs of offense, the logs of pride, Envy, jealousy, strife, the logs of unforgiveness. How about the law of anger? Anger seems to be an unbelievable uh, enemy in the lives of believers today. Uncontrolled, uncontrolled emotions. So you vent things that you never thought you would vent as a believer. You know, and, and uh, uh, I don't want to live there. And I don't think you do either. So these these emotions become a destructive force especially against those around you i think it's sad when you um uh, go on the internet and you you see these little 
three and four-year-olds just effing everything. And that just grieves your heart to think that they're picked up that kind of language. Well, where did they pick it up? In home or at school, but more in the home probably. And it's such a grievous thing. I didn't know that word at all. In fact, when I was on the farm, we never knew the F word. You know, the, 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 the worst thing my dad said, because he wasn't born again, he'd get mad and say, well, Jesus Christ. Or he'd actually say, well, Jesus, key Christ. You know, he'd, he'd get upset. So, yes, he was defaming the Lord, but he didn't know it, you know. But that's the worst he ever said, you know, except for the little four-letter words, uh, you know, that, that people are. But by God, how many, how many, how many, you at least experienced some measure of cleanup with your mouth when you got saved? That's the first thing God dealt with in my life was that, that dirty, filthy mouth. Amen. So we, we don't want to carry that out. Why? Because it affects those around us. Again, here in Isaiah, um, God addressing the children of Israel, verse 10, he says, we grope. That word grope means feel. We, we feel for the wall like the blind, and we grope or feel as if we had no eyes. And we stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in, a des- we are in desolate, desolate places as dead men. Wow. So when spiritual blindness begins to enter our hearts, that's when we begin to forsake our life of faith and begin to be moved only by our senses. And what did Jesus say? The just shall live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So what does that even mean? You have to love by faith. You have to forgive by faith. You have to bless by faith. You have to talk life by faith. Can I have an amen? Yeah. I mean, that is required if you're going to please God. Now turn to Matthew 16. Here's where we're going to spend. We're going to spend most of our our time now uh, in Matthew 16 and Matthew 18. Okay? Matthew 16. We're going to be in the King James. We're going to look, read from Brother James. <laughs> Verse 13. Now, when Jesus came unto the coast of Caesarea Philippi, the Bible says he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And verse 14. Well, the disciples responded and said, Hey, uh, there, there's a lot of gossip out there. Some say you're John the Baptist, and some say you're Elijah, and others say you're Jeremiah. That, that's what's on the street. And he, when Jesus pointed to them and said, But whom say ye that I am? And that is the most important question even to the believer today. Do you have a really defined knowledge of who Jesus is because if you don't you won't be like him I remember when I was a little boy I loved my daddy I loved him and that there's two bad habits he had he smoked two and a half packs of cigarettes a day and he he chewed 10 cans of Copenhagen a week he was he, he was a he was a short chubby Norwegian he had these fat cheeks and he could put a half a can he could put a quarter of a can in each cheek and you didn't even know he had it in there you know, and then, of course, he would spit and it would shoot out the door about five feet. I thought I was impressed by the way he could spit and man, it just shoot it out. Well, then me wanting to be like him. Uh, one day I said, Ma, this is really cool. Mom made a chocolate cake. And so I took his Copenhagen can and I cleaned it out as best I could. The empty ones. And I, 
I packed it with chocolate cake. And then we'd go down, the, he'd, he'd go down to the corner store out in the country because he, he liked to play cards. I'd go with him and, and he'd, he'd, get out his, uh, he'd get out his can and he'd, he'd snap the can against and, and pack it and he'd open it up and take a good chew. And I took my can, I was so proud. I packed it, man, and I picked a big chunk of chocolate and stuck it in my cheeks. Un, unbeknownst to me, there was still Copenhagen on the bottom. Man, that stuff's disgusting. My point is, I wanted to be like my dad. Amen. I started smoking at 13 years old in front of them. Because my mom, dad, uh, my mom didn't smoke. I don't know how she could put up with it. But my dad did, so he let me, started to let me smoke in front of him at 13 years old. Bad habit. Thank God I got delivered at 20 years old. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm so glad I got delivered. Amen. I mean, praise God. It's hard to play pickleball when you can't get your wind. My point is, how many want to be imitators of Jesus? Well, if you, if you know, you're going to have to get close to him and stay close to him and do what he has required from his word. Amen. So when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea, he asked his disciples, whom do men say that I am? And they responded with an answer. Look at verse 16. And Simon Peter, uh, and then, then they made an, they responded, of course, with the opinion of what's on the street. And, and then he said, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, blessed art thou, Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. So we know this to be divine revelation knowledge. I mean, when that left Peter's mouth, he had no idea what he was going to say. The Spirit of God rose up on the inside of him, and he spoke out something that he didn't even realize, that, uh, he didn't, didn't even know. But the Spirit of God brought that forth. Thou art the anointed one of God. Hallelujah. You are the Son of the living God, the anointed one of God. It came out of his belly. That, it's called a living water. Can I have an amen? Peter didn't, you know, Peter was a hothead. Uh, he was, I mean, all the disciples were dysfunctional. So don't feel alone. None of them had it together. None of them did. And, you know, every time God chooses somebody, he takes a risk. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, he does. Uh, I, I was listening to a preacher um, the other day, and he said, uh, and it was the same with me. In speech, I skipped speech class. I, 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 I never went. I mean, I, 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 I got so familiar with F, you know, because it was just, it was just uh, one leg missing uh, from an A. But I could not. I could not stand in front of people and talk at all. And, and at all. In fact, when my, uh, when my best friend got married, he got married pretty young. I think he was 19 uh, I was just probably the same age, and I stood up in front of him, and I was like this. I was just shaking from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. That's how nervous I was. So to speak in front of people was something I would never do except for God. 
In other words, he's able to put his hand of ability upon you and cause you to do things that you never, ever could do before. Isn't God good? That's the same in your life. You say, well, I can't do this. I can't do that. Yeah, but God puts his hand, his anointing on your life. You can do anything. Praise God. I mean, anything that he's called you and required of you to do in your life. So revelation knowledge was what came out of Peter. And then Jesus said in verse 18, upon this rock or this unshakable truth, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Against what? The revelation knowledge of God's word. That's what he's talking about there. Verse 18, uh, the Amplified says, I tell you, Peter, I tell you, you are Peter, Petros, a large piece of rock. And on this rock, that word means Petra. It's a huge rock like Gibraltar. I will build my church and the gates of hell, uh, uh, the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal region shall not overpower it or be strong enough to its detriment or hold out against it. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Amen. So that's the same. When God reveals a truth to you, hell cannot prevail against that truth. It can't. Hell cannot prevail against that truth. You just have to hold on to it until, until it comes to fruition in your life. Can I have an amen? In Mark 4, Jesus told his disciples, he said, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. And every week we gather together, it's so important that you make the adjustments necessary in your heart before the word is preached so that you don't have any hindrances or static in your spiritual life so that you're not hearing what God is saying. It is so important. You can't come in here offended, embittered, full of anger, unforgiveness, strife. You got to leave that stuff at the door so that you can receive from God. Amen. So anytime the word is being preached, what we must address individually is this. Am I seeing what God is saying? Am I literally seeing what God is saying? Am I hearing what God is hearing? So important. Because people come to church every week, literally filled with all sorts of distractions on the inside. So they're hearing, but they're not hearing. And they're seeing, but they're not seeing. And they leave unchanged. Listen, not, more importantly, or more dangerously, they leave not equipped with what's about to come the next day. This is why the, the heart is so important to make these adjustments. Okay, let's read verse 19. <clears throat> Jesus said, and I will give thee the keys. Watch this. I want you to catch something here. I will give you the keys, plural, of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is what I want to address for a few moments tonight. We've heard people pray. And I've, I've struggled with it for years. We've heard people say, Satan, I bind you. Satan, I just bind you. And, and yet, that is not biblically sound. I cannot find biblically soundness on that. Not that you can't, you know, people have said, said and I take authority of you. Jesus never bound a demon. He cast them out. And I wish we could bind the spirit of anger. Bind the spirit of lust. Wouldn't that be wonderful? While the guys are quiet. Wouldn't that be wonderful? If, if we could, but we can't. It's impossible. Okay, and we'll talk about this as we move on here. So um, 
he, and he says, whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. On earth, and whatever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Okay, let's talk about this for a little bit. Now, Jesus here, again, is addressing binding and loosing. The word bind means to lock up. The word loose means to break up. Bind means to lock up or tie up. And, 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 um, break, uh, and loose means to break up. And we'll get this as we go, okay? Now, when you study the scriptures in context, remember I said, you will never get off spiritually. It's so important you understand that. So what, so what was Jesus addressing before this verse 18 regarding binding and loosing? What was he addressing? He was addressing, everything he was addressing had to do with the relational side of life. So let's look at verse 1. And we'll capture this as we go here, okay? And also the choices we make will have an effect on our families listening, especially our children. Verse 1. At that time, this is the Amplified. You can look at the screen. The disciples came up and asked Jesus, who then is really greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Which one of us, Jesus, is the greatest? I'm sure Jesus just shook his head. Oh, you guys, you don't get it. And he called a little child to himself and put them in the midst of them. And put him in the midst of them and said, truly I say unto you, unless you repent, change, turn about, and become like little children. Trusting, lowly, loving, and forgiving, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven at all. Whoever will humble himself, you, you can't pray God humble me because he can't. You can only humble yourself. <clears throat> okay? Whoever will humble himself, therefore, and become like this little child, trusting, lowly, loving, and forgiving. Four divine attributes every baby is born with is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 5. And whoever receives, accepts, and welcomes one little child like this, like what? Trusting, lowly, loving, and forgiving, for my sake uh, <clears throat> and in my name, receives, accepts, and welcomes me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me and acknowledge and cleave to me to stumble in sin, or though, uh, King James says, uh, become offended. And we'll talk about that in a moment. That is, who entices him or hinders him, hinders him in right conduct or thought, it would be better, more expedient and profitable, advantageous for him to be, have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be sunk into the depths of the sea. Oh, that's pretty serious. Let me say it again. That's pretty serious. Let me ask you, does that sound like suicide? It does. I mean, if you take a neck of cement log and put her on your neck and throw it in. You're going with it. He said, be better for you to be out of the picture than to cause one of these little ones to stumble and stop believing in me. That's pretty serious. That, I only say that because of the seriousness of parenting that we have today. See, I, every choice that I've made through the years, I've always not, not always made the right ones. But I always think about my children. Always. Because I didn't want them to suffer and go through the hell that I went through as a child. I, I tell you, I wouldn't never want anybody to go through what I went through. Never. And so the choices I made through life has now determined in some measures where they are in life. 
And I got good news. They're all serving God. Hallelujah. And I'm truly grateful for that. I really am. Very grateful. Very grateful. <clears throat> so, woe to the world. Let's finish this. Woe to the world for such temptations and sin and influences to do wrong. It is necessary that temptation comes, but woe to the person on whose account or by whom the temptation comes. What's the temptation? A temptation all through the King James was offense. He mentions offense of five, uh, offending our children five times in three verses. So is there an answer? Of course there is. Verse 8. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble in sin or, or offends you or entraps you, that's what it means, cut it off and throw it away from you. Let me ask you something. What is the, what is the purpose of your hands and your feet? The hand reaches out to take your child, and the feet takes them where you lead them. So if you're leading them down the path of moral deprivation, oppression, fear, um, strife, and jealousy, and unforgiveness, and uh, all of it, guess what? They're just going to go where you're taking them. It's just humbling when you think about it, isn't it? He goes on, cut it off, throw it away from you. Cut that, cut that um, way of life off. Cut, cut it out of your life. Get it out. <clears throat> so you're not leading them in the wrong direction. <clears throat> so it is better or more profitable and wholesome for you to enter life maimed or lame than to have two hands or two feet be thrown into everlasting or never-ending fire. Or, or it actually means intense suffering. And if your eye offends thee, that's what the King James says, or causes you to stumble and sin, pluck it out and throw it away from you. <clears throat> I mean, if, and I don't know, I just heard this. If there's a high percentage of Christian men that are into pornography, you need to pluck that out of your life. Because it will create a hell that you would never want to go through. If your eye offends you, cause you to stumble, well, pluck it out, throw it away. It's better or more profitable, wholesome for you to enter life with only one eye than to have two eyes be thrown in, the hell, in hell. <clears throat> that word hell is the word Gehenna. <clears throat> Jesus, is not, Jesus is not saying here that you're casting your kids into hell. What he's saying is you're casting your kids into an environment of severe suffering that they don't need to enter into. How do I know that? Because the word Gehenna here in the Greek means the valley of the son of Himon. It's a, I just got this, I pulled this out. It's the, it's, it's the valley right outside the walls of old Jerusalem, which was the place where smoldering garbage was dumped at the time of Jesus. Jesus used this term, listen, to denote a horrible place of suffering and death. Its history was marked by horrific acts of child sacrifices Israel offered up to the idol Molech. That's where they offered their children up on the altar of Molech. So this is a place of intense suffering, heartache, misery, something your children should never have to go through, listen, on, uh, because of us, because of the choices we made. Because when Satan attacks your life, he's after your seed. So Jesus is <clears throat> letting us know that we have to make sure that this vessel of clay 
is being used for the glory of God and not for self, not for self gratification. Hmm. So Jesus wasn't referencing a hell after death, but the hell we're all capable of creating, listen, by choosing to live our lives outside the boundaries of God's love. A hell we create through the deterioration, deterioration of the relational side of life. I was, and I didn't know this, but I was so bad that my grandfather would have not have chosen to violate me as a little child. It brought such intense suffering in my life where I, I'm a boy trying to, I loved girls, you know. I'm, I'm not talking about in a lustful way. I just loved girls. I thought they were so cool when I was a little guy. I had a, I had, I had a crush on a girl every year in school. I mean, so much that it distracted me from studying. Come on. In the purity of your heart, aren't girls cute? So that's where it was. Yeah. But in the midst of that environment, you want to be kind of, you want to be as cool as you can, which I wasn't. I'd cry in school. I'd cry. Why? Because I, I, I couldn't, my mind was so, was so wounded that I couldn't even study. It was so broken that I couldn't focus on anything that was important at that time as far as the educational side of life. And I, I mean, I wasn't saved. I wasn't saved a month when God dealt with my heart to forgive my grandfather. I mean, and I knew it. And I'm telling you right now, the moment I forgave him, man, it just freed me, praise God, in every area of my life. So when you hold on to things, it just, you know. Nonetheless, the scars of that is with me today at 73 years old. I wish it wouldn't have happened. But I guess, you know, and it did. So what, what, what is it for me? I'm extremely empathetic for people who suffer, especially young people who have gone through such, uh, you know, such a violation in their lives. But God heals. God heals and sets free. Amen. And I'm grateful for that. Praise the Lord. Look at verse 15. Oh, uh, where am I at? I've got to make sure. Uh, Matthew, okay. Yeah, Matthew 18, verse 15. Moreover, watch this. Remember, it's all about relationship. Remember the kids, right? Now, now he says this in verse 15. Now, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, hold it against him until he repents. Somebody, they're going, where's that at? It says, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, well, then take thee with thee two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, then tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Not, it didn't say Republican. It's just a publican. And <laughs> yeah, so there's a result. You got to go to that person and get it right. Amen. Then he says this, verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth or tie up or lock up on earth shall be bound or destroyed in heaven. And whatever, excuse me, or locked up in heaven. And whatever you shall loose or destroy on earth shall be uh, destroyed in heaven. Whatever you hold on to, 
is held in heaven. But if you let go of something, heaven lets go. Heaven's in agreement with that. That's why I couldn't hold anything against my grandfather. Why? Because I did, uh, uh, some other curse would come in my life. I had to let go of that. And, and how did I forgive him at that time? Just like, I, just like I've told you. How do we forgive? Most, 99% of the time by faith. By faith. Say this out loud. Lord, I forgive him. By faith. Lord, I forgive her. By faith. See, when you let that out of your mouth, and you mean it in your heart, something supernatural is working at that very moment on your behalf, on the betterment of your behalf. Amen. So he said, whatever you lock or tie up on earth shall be tied in heaven. Okay? So why would anyone lock something up? Because they don't want it getting out. <laughs> Amen? If you lock something out, up, you, it's for a reason. You don't want it getting out. Amen. I'm... <laughs> I hope I don't lose any of you here. More often than not, we need to lock up our emotions so that they don't run wild and damage those little ones around us. More often than not, we need to lock up our offenses so that they don't end up hurting the very ones closest to us. More often than not, we need to lock up our pride and allow humility to rule us for the sake of our families. Whatever you lock up on earth shall be locked up in heaven. Have you ever heard the phrase, man, something's eating him? Why? Because you can tell by his attitude, he's not happy. You know, by his attitude, he's, he, man, something's going on. He's, something's going on inside. Well, that's exactly right. A lot of things, everything about your, every expression you make out of your mouth is, uh, comes from the inside. That's why in Proverbs it says, protect your heart for out of it. For it determines the course of your life, is one translation. It determines the course of your life. Amen. Let's read verse 19. Oh, my goodness, time flies. And again, I, Jesus still speaking. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that thou, they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. See, what's he saying here? He's referring up here to the one, he's referring to verse 15, to the one who's, um, if your brother trespass against you, go to, go to him, tell him his fault, and, uh, and uh, between you and him alone, how many is that? Is that two? He shall bear the, uh, gain their brother. But if not, take two or three more with you. Why? Because when you get into agreement, praise God, no matter what the transgression is, God will be there in the midst of that to make sure it gets resolved and healed, hallelujah, and so that you can walk uh, 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 not in bondage but in freedom regarding that situation. All these, are you learning some things tonight? This is so important. Amen. So important. Now let's continue. Then Peter said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother? How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? And Jesus said, I say unto thee, not, uh, 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 I say unto thee until seven times. I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. Amen. You know, I'm glad he, he you know, whatever. The multiplication doesn't matter. Uh, God if you allow forgiveness, you will never find a place where you're not forgiven. That's what he's saying. Just keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. Keep forgiving. 
Listen, there would never be a divorce if we just kept forgiving. Just kept forgiving. Kept forgiving. But guess what? It takes two to make it and two to break it. Can I have an amen? I mean, it's just the way life is. So he goes, uh, therefore, uh, now Jesus is telling us a parable. Therefore, the, uh, therefore is the kingdom of heaven like unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Whatever, it doesn't matter, a million bucks. It, it's, uh, you know, there, it, it, he, was, it was, he was in such debt that he could never, ever pay it back. Ever, ever, ever. Okay? But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife, children, and all that he had, and pay him to be made. Listen, when you are indebted to people spiritually, it affects every aspect of your life and your family. Everything. I was going to end with this, but I'll, I was going to end with this statement, but I'll say it now. I don't know. I'm just getting older. And what plagues me the most literally torments me is when the church family doesn't get along. I literally get sick to my stomach. I get so sick to my stomach that it, it torments me. When I just hear the, 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 just the divisiveness of people in church rather than just loving and getting along, staying united for the cause of Christ. And it just, it, it's the, it's, it's, you pray for me because it literally, it affects me in uh, worse than ever. Because all I want to do, I'll never forget one time years ago, two of my kids got into it. And man alive, I tell you, I put my foot down and, um, and said, I'll never allow any of this. And, and, and it wasn't between my kids, it was between um, relatives. Because I will not, I never, we've never allowed that. Not, all three of our kids have never fought against each other. I hate it. It sickens me on the inside. So, my, so try to get along. Try to get along with each other as your family. Try to get along with church family. We're all broken. We're all dysfunctional. We all got hang-ups. We're all working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Can I have an amen? All of us. We're all, we're all in the same boat. Nobody's better than anybody else. We all struggle in different areas of our lives. That's why we come to church. This is a spiritual hospital where hopefully we can get a shot of something that's going to help us spiritually. Can I have an amen? That's what saddens my heart the most. So the Bible says, the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, watch this. The servant who owed a million dollars fell down and worshipped his master and said, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Well, the Lord, his master knew there's no way, no way he could pay any of it because the interest alone was, would overwhelm him. So the Lord of that servant, watch this, was moved with What? Compassion. And they loosed him. Now that's a different word. He loosed him and forgave him the debt. That word loosed means to free fully. To relieve, release, dismiss, to fully pardon. That's what you need to be doing on a daily basis. Loose people of the things they do towards you. 
let it go. Set them free. I don't care if it's the 488th time. Because that's the kind of mercy God shows towards you on a daily basis. I am convinced, and I am, finally. I told you I'm so tired. I've lived so many years uh, uh, performance-based. If I can just pray enough, if I can just, you know, do things just right, then I know then, uh, you know, I'll have favor with God. I have favor with God because of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Yes, of course, I live a a life of repentance, uh, self-judgment. Every day I'm judging my heart. Every day. Once in a while, I'll just... I'll just crack something, and I, and, I, and, I, and I sense in that cracking whatever I say, there's arrogance, there's sarcasm. And immediately I say, God, please forgive me. I, I'm sorry, I don't, mean to, I don't mean to do that. So every one of us have to work our own fields. Can I have an amen? Work our own fields. Cultivate our own fields. Praise God. And he forgave him of the debt. But the same servant went out. Of course, he, just read the rest of so it. I don't have time. He went out and found a brother that owed him 20 bucks. And he grabbed him by the throat. And he threw him in jail. He says, you pay me what you owe me. That's why I can't afford to let anything come between me and God. What anybody does. I can't. Because I'd be grabbing, in my attitude, someone by the throat. So you pay me what you owe me. My debt is too deep. The old saying, I had a debt I could not pay. Jesus paid a debt he did not owe. I won't go on in that. Loose. I wrote this down. I'll, I'll finish this so we can pray together. Every time you choose, this is so important because we're talking about binding and loosing. Okay? Every time you choose to love someone by faith, you are tying up the enemy in that relational warfare and destroying his strategies and at the same time creating a spiritual atmosphere of freedom for those around you. Every time you choose to forgive someone by faith, you're tying up or you're locking up the enemy in that situation, destroying his divisive plans, at the same time creating a spiritual atmosphere of freedom for your family. Every time you choose to be patient towards another, That means you just don't blow off the steam when someone frustrates you. Every time you choose to be patient towards another, you're tying up the enemy in that situation, keeping him from gaining a foothold in that relationship, at the same time allowing the Holy Spirit to work within that one who needs patience. (laughs) So good. Every time you choose self-control over becoming emotionally out of control, you're tying up the devil at that moment, at the same time allowing God's God a chance to work in that situation. Just again, binding and loosing. Binding and loosing. It's all about your behavior. It's about you, about you not giving. Remember, anger, Ephesians 5 talks about, or 4 talks about anger, giving no place to the devil. Don't, don't be angry, but don't sin. There's a level of anger. There's, there's, there are spiritual anger. I mean, there's God, there's spiritual anger, that anger that's holy, right? Like, for instance, if Randy winked at another gal, uh, there would be spiritual anger rising up in, in, in uh, his wife's heart. Uh, righteous anger. Wow, it's a tough crowd here. Amen. Uh, I, did you see? Did you see? 
Randy moved over just a little bit. No, that wasn't elbow, yeah. It wasn't an elbow, yeah. Uh, we heard that on the news, didn't we? Anyway, this is how we destroy Satan's strategies in our lives. And this is also why the devil could not find anything in Jesus, John 14, 30. Because, listen, love exercised in every situation never fails. Never fails. I said never fails. Hallelujah. Why don't you do First uh, John 2, 8. Would you do that one and I'm done. This, this is, we'll tie this all up and we'll pray with you, pray for you. Again, he says a new, you got that up there? You don't have First John 2, 8. Thank you, buddy. Again, a new commandment I write unto you. This is, okay. This is John writing to the church. Which thing is true in him and in you? Let's say it again. In him and in you. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's you also. All right. Because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. Now he that says he's in the light and hates. That word hates just simply means detests his brother. Obviously there was a problem here. He wouldn't have brought it up. He wouldn't have brought it up. He that uh, says he's in the light and detests his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loves his brother abides in the light, and there's none occasion of stumbling in him. Is that awesome? The devil can't trip you up when you stay in love. But he that hates or detests his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not where he's going because that darkness has blinded his eyes. Bow your heads. I want to pray with you tonight. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. So I'm going to pray. Hallelujah. And I'm going to ask God tonight to bring healing to relationships in this church. And all I want you to do is if you have any ought in your heart, any ought in your heart, any anger, frustration, offense, unforgiveness, just, just repent. What do you mean repent? Repent doesn't mean turn 360. It's 180. Lord, I'm going to let that go by faith. And I'm going to trust you with the relational side of my life. Just inside, inside your hearts, just say, Lord, I'm trusting you with the relational side of my life. Now, Father, I pray for every precious relationship in this church. Every relationship in this church. That you would bring healing and restoration. God, you are the God of miracles. Let's praise him right now, vocally. Just praise him that he's the God of miracles. And that God, you are the one that heals. You heal broken hearts. You heal tormented minds. You heal sick bodies. So I'm asking you right now for healing to flow. Amen. From upstairs all the way down here, all the way to the back, just lift your hands, receive it by faith. Everybody lift your hands and just receive healing in every area of your life by faith. And Lord God, I thank you right now that you're healing your people, healing them, healing them in every area of their lives. And Father, we receive it by faith. Say, Lord, I receive it by faith. And God, I thank you, Lord, for healing, especially marriages. We curse the demon spirit of divorce. And God, I, I break its power over every marriage in this church. And I thank you, God, 
that we can love one another even as Christ loved us. And I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth.